0: Hello and welcome, everyone, to another InventRight webinar. Master the art of licensing. We have a great guest tonight that we're going to interview. We noticed that Chris Mead, he's the creative of CrossNet Volleyball, and he's just been blowing it up on the internet. You can't go anywhere and not see his product. It's all over the place. So Stephen reached out and, and asked Chris to come on, and he's just going to tell his story as an inventor and what he did. Right, Stephen?
1: Well, yeah. You know what's really crazy is that um, I start seeing this product everywhere. And I'm like, who is this guy? And he comes on the scene, and the reviews are spectacular. The product is wonderful. He's, he's just doing everything right. And it's during COVID. I'm like, what is going on here? So I asked Chris to come on because his product – is truly cool, and anybody can play. So, Chris, welcome to InventRight.
2: Thanks so much for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for reaching out.
1: You bet. Let's start at the very beginning. You, you've got a great product. Tell us what your product is uh, so everybody understands, because it's, a, it's really a combination of two different types of, of games or sports, right?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, so it's, uh, we invented CrossNet back in 2017. It is the world's first four-way volleyball game. So it's a combination of four square and volleyball, and we've created an entire sport around it where you're playing to eleven points uh you're competing against three other friends you could rotate more people in, but it's just like four square when you're a little kid trying to eliminate your friends, land the ball in the in the square and spiking it on everybody so it's a lot of fun.
1: Wow, taking two, I love this you know Andrew, this is that typical mix and match we talk about. Uh-huh, it is. Two different things, bring them together to create something completely new, and that's exactly what Chris and his, his team has done. Chris, how'd you come up with this idea? Were you having a couple beers at the pub or what?
2: Yeah, pretty much, man. So uh, I was working my full-time job, uh, nine to five in New York City, uh, came back home to Connecticut, small farm town called Woodstock, uh, and my brother and my partner, Mike, uh, we're all hanging out, uh, Mike had just graduated from engineering school in Northeastern, uh, in Boston. And he's like, dude, I'm not ready to get a nine to five yet. Let's sit down and let's come up with something. Uh, ESPN was on, on repeat, like it normally was in my house. And it went from about midnight until about three in the morning. Uh, and we finally wrote down four-way volleyball and you assumed it was going to be one of those things where you're like, ah, I'm out of luck. You Google it. And there's already a a multi-million dollar company doing it. And you just never realized, Uh, but we couldn't find anything. And we were really, really surprised. So we like went to bed, woke up the next morning, ran to Walmart, still had the idea, like still fresh in our mind. We got two bad mitten nets, uh, cut out the center, rigged them up, texted all our friends. And we said, Hey, meet us at the house at like 12 o'clock. And we got a new game for you. And that was, that's all she wrote. Now,
1: wait a minute. You took two, products at walmart did you tape it together sew it together how did you what did you do
2: yeah so we took a, a badminton net so it was like a smaller version of a volleyball net we uh cut out the center just like precisely enough to rig the other badminton net through it and then we anchored it uh partly on my mom's garage and then mm-hmm. on my on my mom's garden and we kind of like staked it down uh it was very uh just kind of rigged up but it, it worked It it worked uh, for the afternoon, at least.
1: How'd you make the rules up? Because the rules are basically like four square, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. So it's four square volleyball. Um, You don't have to be a volleyball player to play cross net, but it certainly doesn't hurt. And uh, we pretty much thought back to four square, land the ball in your friend's square. And we always grew up playing basketball. That's still our, our preferred sport. So game to 11, classic basketball rules, like pick up, win by two. So we figured... The person who serves the ball, if they stay alive and don 't get eliminated, they get a point. Uh, if the ball lands in their square, they get eliminated, and they go back to the lo- end of the line so first mm-hmm. person to acquire eleven points wins
0: Pretty simple now, chris you know i've found over the years Steve and I have been coaching and mentoring inventors to license their products for the last twenty years, and i've found that the most passionate inventors, all inventors are passionate almost all, but are game inventors, whether it 's a car game or a board game. Or any game, it could be a lawn game or a beach game, anything they play with their friends. Did you guys just get nuts about this? And sometimes people will play with their friends and family for years before they do it. What was your trajectory? like When you guys came up with it and started playing it, do you immediately go, we're going to sell this thing? Or did you just guys have fun playing with it um, forever?
2: I mean, that first night, right, We, we probably played for four hours. And the coolest thing about it was we were playing because we were genuinely having fun. It wasn't because we were trying to build a business. It was, this is fun. I'm 24. My other guys are 23, 22. If we're doing this in our backyard for four hours, imagine every kid in America having this in their backyard. Why wouldn't they play it? Uh, mm-hmm. So from that moment, we, we kind of knew, like we're on to something. Um, it's just, obviously we're miles away from, having the product sold at Dick Sporting Goods. But, yeah, we, we knew from the get it was going to be popular.
1: So, Chris, okay, you, you've got this great idea. You've got your brother and a good friend. You guys know each other forever. You said, hey, this could be a business. Uh, what was the first thing did you do? Did you find a manufacturer? Did you put a business plan on one page together? Did you did you take all the money in your wallet and throw it in a pile and said, hey, this is how we're going to start? What did you do?
2: Yeah, certainly no business plan. No one pager like that. Um, Our first thing was fortunately for us. uh, So we did get a little bit lucky. Normally, if you have a good idea, you need an engineer or somebody to kind of design it up. Our guy, Mike, the other founder, he had just graduated from school. He had the programs fresh on his laptop. So that night he went to the drawing board, kind of designed our four way net. Uh, We were familiar with Alibaba and like AliExpress. We used to drop ship like basketball jerseys on eBay when we were younger, like trying to pay through college. And we reached out to a volleyball manufacturer on one of the websites. Uh, Pretty much said, hey, you guys look reputable, Uh, typical entrepreneur thing, kind of worried about somebody stealing your product. And six months later, they're selling it. But we found one or two people uh, that we had a really good conversation with, good rapport, uh, had them sign some NDA stuff. And we sent over the idea, uh, and and then we pretty much said, "Hey guys, uh, one one factory wanted us to produce like ten thousand units, and we barely had ten thousand dollars to our name, so we ended up going with the one factory who was lenient and was willing to make like fifty or a hundred to start. So that was the process, uh, and then was trying the our best attempt to to negotiate and get our price down. Did
1: you? So you 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 reach out, you find the right guys on the internet, which is great. Find the right guy that will make a hundred for you, even better. Um, did you at that time protect it? Did you file any type of intellectual property before you reached out to anybody?
2: Not before we reached out, no, we didn't. Uh, but we also had uh, Mike and his—he actually has some good legal connections. So Mike and his whole that, that side of the business took care of the patent process. Uh, mm-hmm. So now, fortunately, we are protected uh, for the lifetime of the patent on the four-way to the volleyball net. Uh, which is great and it gives us uh it helps us big time uh, especially here in the states
1: did you trademark your name yes we did and we're
2: starting to trademark uh more stuff uh, more sayings uh just it's always great to be protected if you can so copyright tra- copyright on photos trademark on logos and sayings uh goes a long way any
0: was, any knockoffs yet
2: no uh, we so we're seeing some um it, people always imitations form flattery we're seeing some people create miniature versions of the net uh which is frustrating but people will get a mini net uh which violates patent and trademark laws uh but the net is only two feet long compared to our full version which is about 13 feet so they get it they instantly write to us saying hey we got ripped off we need the real cross net uh and then we do the best we can to try to make them happy but yeah it's unfortunate
1: well, if you're successful, you're
2: gonna have um, some of those types of situations. Absolutely, yes. It's a learning process. We have a we staffed a virtual assistant on there to kind of comb the internet every day to look for fakes and make mm-hmm. sure nobody's getting ripped off.
1: Very nice. Um, okay, so you've got a couple hundred. They come to you. What do you do when you've got just a hundred? Do you do you send them out to stores? Do you do demos? Find influencers? What do you do with just a hundred?
2: Yeah. Uh, so the first thing we knew was a hundred was about give or take ten thousand dollars or something like that with all our all the production fees and all the fees that we kind of had to start the business. Uh, so we knew we were pretty much out of cash um, with our ten thousand dollars all in. Uh, so we had to sell these. We had to make a profit on them. So we had enough to buy two hundred. Uh, So we'd go to the beach uh, in Narragansett and then we eventually moved to Miami, but we went to the beach and we literally just played. And it would start with people being like, what are these kids doing? What are they setting up? And then by five o'clock, there'd be 40 people playing and everyone would be taking photos. Everyone would be uploading to Instagram. I'd be out there with my camera. I'd be taking content for the website and then running ads on the videos when we got home that night and we'll sell the net on the beach. But what ended up happening was people on vacation would go buy it for their town, like their hometown. They'd go set it up, and then the snowball effect would happen where they would have forty people watching them, and then somebody else would buy. So now it's just snowballed, where we have a hundred thousand units out in the world. Where every time somebody's playing, somebody's doing marketing for us.
1: Mm-hmm. So how do you do? How do you go from? So what was your next order? How big? How did? Was it a thousand now? No. Or what was your next order?
2: No, it was it was two hundred. We went from one hundred to two hundred. I was looking at the, the purchase order receipts the other day. We went from one hundred to two hundred. I remember we went from two hundred to five hundred. Uh, and that really stretched us thin. I was really worried about the business when we went from two hundred to five hundred. Uh, and then we went from five hundred to twenty five hundred. So everything we did was self-funded we didn't pay ourselves out for over 18 months. So we all had a whiteboard in our bedroom in Miami where we lived. We were all like bunked together in this two bedroom and uh, we had a doomsday clockdown, like literally a countdown of how much money do I have in my bank account versus my rent and expenses till I'm out of cash and I need to get a real job. And yeah, we, we, t- we ticked t- that down and, and mine was racing uh, with the student loan debt. I had just graduated. So that wasn't fun. Was,
1: was it helpful It sounds like it was helpful that you were selling online. So that money came in pretty quick. When did you start to go to retailers? Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So that's super helpful, right? If you're selling online, money's hitting your bank account in 48 hours. Uh, We had one pain point where when we started to scale really quickly, PayPal actually held all the money. And I hear a lot of people have the same issue with PayPal. If you grow too fast, uh, they held about 30 grand one time. So That was super, super frustrating and another pain point for us. But for how uh, long? Re- no, nah, they held 180 days. Why Whoa. so long? Yep, 100, 180 days. And the only way you can get a hold of them is the, the letter in the mail. You can't talk to anybody on the phone. Why? Why? Unusual activity on your account. Mm-hmm. No answer. You call. No answer. You fax, no answer. Oh my God! It is the worst. So yeah, we we no longer use PayPal. uh just for this reason. Uh, they, they actually so they held 30. We finally got it. Okay. Use them again. Give them the benefit of the doubt, and they held 180. Huh. So we will never be using them again. But yes, back to your question. Uh, we started retail, uh, early 2019.
1: Okay. So how'd you do it? Did you go to a trade show? Did you just knock on the door, send a buyer a note on LinkedIn? How'd you get to a buyer?
2: Yeah, so the first thing I did actually when I started the company, when you when you create your company, right, you, you do a bunch of random tasks. You never know if they're actually working or not. Uh but the first thing I did was add every buyer I could ever think of on LinkedIn. And I didn't I didn't message them right away. Uh, but I would post about CrossNet consistently enough. Back then I was getting I'd be lucky if I got four likes on a post, but The buyers saw the journey and eventually they would either a come inbound or I would reach out and they were receptive. So the first store was Shields uh, Midwestern store, about 34 locations. Uh, We started with two. I begged the buyer. I said, Hey, please take four, four for each store. I promise they'll be worth it. And uh, they didn't sell. They didn't sell at all. Uh, It took six months for them to finally sell, but they sold out. Our marketing wasn't strong. We weren't, uh, I always tell people we're still selling the same product we were selling in 2018. It just took three, two, three years for people to notice. Um, Our marketing finally worked uh, about six months later. Let's
1: talk about that for a minute. Okay.
2: Yep. Uh, Because you, you have to create
1: demand for people to go down to the store to buy it. Absolutely. But a lot of people think I'm just going to put it inside a Walmart and people are going to walk by and they're going to grab it. Is that true? How, Not at all. How important is creating that market demand?
2: It's so important. I, I just remember six months went by. The buyer wouldn't even email me back. He was like, I think it was a shame that he took it. And uh, yeah, it, it was very unfortunate. But once we were able to make that demand where people were searching for it and walking into the store, it flew off the shelves. And and now it, luckily it continues too. But we went to retail too early and we really jeopardized relationships with stores. So uh, hindsight, I definitely would have waited a little bit till we had more traction online.
1: How are you getting the? Let's talk about your marketing, because I, I had mentioned to you before we came on. You're everywhere, man. So mm-hmm. um, how much effort and time do you spend on that part of it? Because I, I do believe the marketing of a product is really where the work comes in. Regardless if you're, if you're crowdfunding or launching a new product, I don't care what it is. How, how tough is that and how much time do you spend
2: at it? It's really tough. I mean, it, it's a work in progress every day. Uh, but for us, we now have a full-on uh, Facebook team that runs all of our ads. Uh, we have an email team that's focused on retargeting all of our customers. But the best thing for us has been spending more money in actual ads rather than spending money in content. And what I mean by that is we're never spending $1,000, $5,000 for video shoots or high-quality photo shoots. All these pictures you're looking at, they're they're good enough uh, for us. It gets the message across, and they're all free. So we go, we shoot everything with iPhone. We upload the iPhone footage to Facebook. When people uh, are scrolling their Facebook news feed, they know when it's a commercial. But they may stop and think, hey, that might be Steven playing with a new game uh, on his iPhone recording something, and it'll give you five seconds. And that's all we need is we need five seconds. Um, So that's, that's our whole strategy.
1: Wow. Very, very cool. How many stores are you in now? Over 1500. How do you, how do you do
0: the float game?
2: (laughs) It's tough, man. It's really, really tough.
0: Uh, Some people might not know what you're referring to, Stephen. What, What does that mean? Well,
1: you, you know, online selling is very different. You put it online, they give you the money you, you ship Mm -hmm. it and you get paid right away. I love that. Mm -hmm. Right. But if I give it to a store that wants 60 days and I don't know if that's, if that's normal or not. And I ship it to them, I might have 30 to 60 days before
2: I get paid. Absolutely. You should see the the ARs we have now. Yeah. It's, it's tough. So fortunately um, for us, our first store, like I mentioned was Shields. Um, Hopefully, they're not. eh, I think their payment terms are pretty standard. 30 days. uh, I get paid within 30 days. Uh, Their buying team does a very good job of me getting paid beforehand Mm -hmm. for those 30 days. So, that plus our dot com sales for the first 12 months, like kind of getting us into late 2019, uh, helps us build up a very nice uh, cash flow. Uh, We are completely profitable, have been for over 18 months now. Uh, no debt on the company whatsoever. So we just kept reinvesting. We'd go from 2,500 units to 5,000. We'd build up inventory. Uh, and then I would introduce retailers like Academy Sports or Dick Sporting Goods, uh, which were nationwide in both of them right now. And those are net 90. So that's mm-hmm. tough. You're You're fronting the cash to China to make the product. You got them to create the labor. You have to wait for it to come on the boat for 30 days. You have to ship it out. You're out of the cash uh, up to 150 days sometimes. So Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest thing is for us to survive the float game is to make sure we're making enough money on our direct-to-consumer on crossnetgame.com because that's where the cash Mm -hmm. is coming in every day. So if I keep it 65.35, it seems like that's a, a perfect number right now to keep us alive.
0: 65 retail 35 your site
2: nope 65 our site 35 retail oh okay yep um how many hours a week do you work i'd say i mean this week's been a crazy one uh probably 60 to 70 uh but then it's nice to have that flexibility uh there's that's all wait a minute that's all (laughs) yeah 60 70 how about saturdays and sunday oh uh i try to take off but uh yeah, man. 67 sounds like a good number to me. Uh, I try to really separate. Fortunately, we we started to hire. Uh, we have a team of virtual assistants. We have about 20 virtual assistants that are working a lot of the time. So trying to get myself out of the business to work more on larger picture stuff.
1: What do the virtual assistants do
2: for you? Yeah. So uh, proudly now uh, due to the spike with COVID, we have around the clock customer service. Uh, we certainly didn't have that uh, a few mm-hmm. months ago. So we got a round the clock customer service. I have I'm very big on only hiring um for projects rather than full time unless we really, really need it. So mm-hmm. I have a uh, a graphic design uh I have a graphic design person who's taps for like smaller projects. I have a higher paid graphic design person for larger projects. Uh we have a coder we have an HTML expert stuff like that. Okay. Um any line extensions coming down the road? Yeah, so we just dropped CrossNet H2O, which is our pool model. So for the first time ever, you get a four-way volleyball net floating in your pool. Oh, that's fun. What do you call? What's
1: the name of that? Is it CrossNet Water Liquid? What do you call it? C-
2: CrossNet H2O. H2O, man. Okay, good H2O. for you. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yes, so that, that's going well. So we got that. Um, we dropped. The indoor cross net uh, back in January. Yeah, there it is. So yeah. that's killing it. Um, we dropped indoor cross net back in uh, January. We're in a uh, 7,500 schools right now. So the teachers are demanding it. They want to play inside. So we gave it to them, and uh, we just dropped the partnership with Wilson. Actually, so yeah. Are you the, surprised? Of course, I'm surprised. I'm a I'm a farm count town kid from Connecticut. I grew up. Very, very, very middle class, if not lower class. And we had a cool idea, and we just went for it. And hmm. three years later, I'm having meetings with Dick Sporting Goods. It's it's very humbling.
1: Hmm. What, um, looking back, what, what was the biggest mistake you made?
2: Biggest mistake. Um, there's two mistakes. Um, not negotiating hard enough off the jump, uh, because once you set your price point, you've, you've kind of set you've kind of set where you're at uh and then you negotiate downwards but um we should have negotiated harder off the jump uh thinking that there's way there's tons of manufacturers out there that would have worked with us in hindsight but it is what it is and then secondly don't overbuy packaging or don't overbuy anything because of price breaks um stuff changes ingredients change formulas change products change logos change we ended up getting stuck with a couple thousand boxes that uh really hurt our cash flow in the beginning and we ordered it because oh we saved 20 cents a box that's cool uh but it's not cool when you're out five thousand bucks and the boxes are sitting there collecting dust on them because you can't use them so stuff like that uh okay. those, those are big
1: um that's really interesting Let's talk about negotiations for a minute, because that's really
2: important, right? Should you negotiate on everything? Personally, I do. Uh, I typically do, unless unless you feel like you got a fair price. Uh, today, I was involved in a negotiation with uh, professional volleyball players that are about to become like the face of our company. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a fair price. I didn't expect them to give me a fair price. And uh, I said, hell. your your, your price is fair. I'm not going to, I'm not going to balk you down because sometimes you get less, less quality work if they feel like they're kind of slighted. So you got to pick your battles.
1: So Chris, tell us a little bit about your negotiation style. How do you do it? The price comes in, you know, it's a little high, you want to bring it down. What what do you say?
2: Fortunately, we're in demand, right? So there's tons of people that do want to work with us. Um, So I'll typically say, Hey, uh let's just say hey we're we're working on a website right the website people say hey forty thousand dollars for this new website i'll say hey we have twenty five thousand dollars in our budget right now and and in the back of my mind i'll be like ultimately i know i'm probably want to settle at 30 so i'll I'll say 25k Mm -hmm. and they'll come back i'll say hey we got xyz looking to work with us as well looking to make a decision by the end of the week i know they people have quotas to hit they'll come down to 30. um so i go a little bit lower uh, and they pe- rub people the wrong way, but I ultimately I get to the price that I have in mind for my budget. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. I, I have a it question works. about manufacturing. Um, you know, if, if a product is purely a sewn product, it's really nice. Cause there's not a bunch of tooling, you know, it, it gets sewn. You, you have some pole, you see, like you have poles here, you have nets and the poles look, my guess is they're probably lock into each other with those snap buttons. That's my guess. Absolutely. Um, can, can you talk about the manufacturing of it?
2: Which part's hard, which part's easy? Yeah, I definitely can. Um, so we now have three factories uh, started the year with one factory. Now we have three factories producing over 30,000 units a month. Um, the, the tough stuff is getting the poles to, to match perfectly, especially when you start with a new factory. So all the poles need to line up. Uh, our claim to fame is that CrossNet is height adjustable. For men's, women, and children. You take one pole out, you're at women's. You take two poles out, you're at children's height. So if those poles don't line up perfectly, if those buttons don't work like they need to, the whole system doesn't get to work. So you're at 150 if the if that pole pole doesn't work. Yeah, so, that,
0: that, that seems so basic, but it's it does it's not. It's
2: no, not. It, it's really not. Especially when you're producing at the volume we are. So uh it's tough. It, it definitely took a several rounds to to perfect it and make sure it's perfect. So, and we still have flaws sometimes. I hear customers complain, "Oh, my my thing's rusting, or the button's not working." As, and we just got to do the best we can. Um, the net isn't too tough. Uh, we're seeing some. Sometimes it comes ripped. Sometimes it comes damaged. But, um, yeah.
1: What do you? Are, yeah, let's talk about that for a minute because <laughs> it's never perfect out there with customer services. That there's always. There's always going to be a problem. Maybe someone's complaining. How do you handle it overall? So overall,
2: we got a uh, 30-day money-back guarantee. I, uh, I just switched to a new tool called Gorgeous. It's a customer service tool, and we're able to create macros, actually. So we could flag for specific words, so broken net, ripped net, broken pole, and then those customer service issues will actually be flagged to the correct customer service rep who will then be responsible for creating a new order for that customer. So it's a, it's a great way for us to really identify problems rather than letting the inbox get clogged. And we can create kind of silos of this person's responsible for returns, this person's responsible for tracking. Uh, so that that's how we handle it. We have a big, big warehouse out in California where we have tons of extra parts. So we uh, we swap them out if they need, uh, and we try to do right by the customer and try to treat people how we'd like to be treated if we spent 150 bucks on this. How do you... Let's talk about, for just a
1: minute, um, working with overseas manufacturers. Anything ever go wrong with a shipment? You open it up and go, oh, no. <laughs> um,
2: not open it up and say, oh, no. Our biggest issue... Um, trying to learn all about this is customs. And trucks uh, are cargo getting stuck in customs for like 21 days, 14 days, and it's just not clearing customs. And you have customers who are waiting for the inventory. They don't understand about customs. They don't understand about importing anything. Uh, They just expect it to come next day from Amazon, right? So um, that's been really, really tough is getting our freight forwarding down. Um, I'm not on that side of the business personally, but I know it's been much smoother using one company rather than using like five different companies like we used to do.
0: I have a question for you, Chris. If, if, um if an inventor is passionate about their product, is that enough? Because it sounds to me like, you know, you're not spending all your time on the product. You're spending all your time running the business, which
2: Absolutely. is a lot of
0: work. Yeah. Um, would, would you say that if inventors, just passionate about the product that licensing might be a better route for them. If they're, you know, you, you, to me, you're the perfect profile for somebody that's good to run their own business. You're young, you're ambitious. Not everybody has the energy you do or can take those risks if they have family and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So can you talk about the, the difference between being passionate about the product itself and actually running the business? Cause there's a big difference. Uh, yeah. A
2: hundred percent, man. hundred percent. I think for Yeah, to answer your question, point blank, no, it's not enough. Uh, It doesn't matter if you're passionate about your business. If the world doesn't know about your business or your product, then it doesn't matter. It's just a good idea for you. Um, So if you don't have that skill set where, I I mean, my mind is always on the business. Uh, When I get to disconnect from the laptop is actually when the best ideas for the business happen. So, yeah, if I wasn't uh, hungry, if I wasn't literally... I feel like what I do in my job on a day to day is point out flaws Uh, and I've become really good at identifying this is what we're screwing up on and this is what we need to fix. It's never patting ourselves on the back, never saying, oh, good job, team. Like, no, this 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 is broken and this is how we get to the next level. So if you don't possess that mindset uh, and you think you have a great product, then, yeah, licensing would be or passing it off to another partner would be a great idea.
0: So, can you give us an idea of what you say you work 60 to 70 hours a week? Can you give us an idea of what your work day is like? How do you spend your time percentage wise? I know that's a very detailed question, but of people need to get an idea of what it really takes to do what you've done and be successful running your own business and making and selling your own product.
2: Absolutely. So I'll just give you kind of a, a day in a life today. Right. So woke up at nine. Uh, I have a good work life balance. I think I, I always go to the gym first thing in the morning. That's how I get my day going. That's my morning routine. But after that, I'm, I'm clocked in uh, had a meeting with like my email marketing team. My biggest initiative this year has been raising revenue on email. Uh, I know we have over 60,000 subscribers to our website. So that's untapped revenue. So my biggest project has been turning email marketing into over 20% of our revenue because it was just a low hanging fruit. So building out campaigns with the email team, seeing what's on the roadmap. We have an entire content calendar where we have several campaigns going out every single week. Uh, so that that's a whole hour, two hours of work, making sure campaigns are being built, looking at the content calendar. Uh, from there, we're dropping a new website next week. So I worked with a an agency to create the website. They finally gave me the website back. I have spent the last week ripping it apart, literally frame by frame, uh, trying to figure out exactly what's wrong with it, exactly what needs to be changed. I have a, a Google doc. You guys should see how long it is, but piecing it together. Cause I know from the contract I have with them, I have one round of revisions. So I got to give them all my revisions. Mm-hmm. Um, for, from there, I got a, a 10,000, uh, Dick sporting goods, uh, Dick sporting goods is picking up 10,000 units uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, some routing trucks, making sure that the trucks are going to come on time, make sure that we have the correct labels on each box. We just got hit with a $5,000 chargeback because I didn't have the right label on a box. So, mm. having figuring out stupid stuff like that uh, takes up a lot of time. Uh, but so that's stuff, but you, so, like so that. you're
0: not spending your time on the product; you're spending your time on the the business.
2: And oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It's all on the business, all on the e-commerce side, and then building out relationships with wholesalers. Uh, a lot of uh, it's spring 21 planning right now, actually, envisioning where the product fits on the retail shelves. We're redoing all of our packaging for every product line. We're going to have brand new boxes, which are beautiful. Uh, so working with the designers to finish that. What do your partners do? <laughs> so my partner, Mike, uh, the founder, uh, he's in charge of all of the product creation so he's the one who's actually inspecting it with china he's on wechat until five in the morning every night uh, so he's talking making sure that all of the inventory lands all the inventory is shipped uh, we just started factory relationships with two new places so making sure they're up to beating the quotas that we have from uh, the wholesalers and on our online website he is also in charge of customer service as well like kind of overseeing that team making sure our people are online making sure that the inbox is getting cleared. And then my brother, Greg, uh, he handles all the legal, all the finance, and also he runs the paid ads. uh, So that those Facebook ads, he kind of has that relationship with the agency. And then he's also in charge of order fulfillment. So we just moved out to a new California warehouse. So he's overseeing all the workers, making sure the boxes are shipped, making sure we're out of a back order uh, and that every day, everything is being fulfilled within 72 hours now. So yeah, there's a lot of different hats as founders.
0: Wow. Steven, I'm a little overwhelmed just listening to talk about it.
2: <laughs> it's a lot, man. <laughs>
0: so,
2: you better be young. That's
1: all I got to say. Um,
0: yeah. uh, wow. So,
1: Chris, at this point, you're more of an entrepreneur than an inventor, correct? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, you got to be creative through the whole process still. Mm-hmm. um but it's a it's a lot of just running the business making sure everything is working smoothly what is what is your goal for the next couple of years or 5 years so do you even
2: have that planned out yeah of course i mean 5 years i went my my overall biggest thing is like you said when we first started talking the, uh, crossnet's popping up everywhere but crossnet is not popping up everywhere as a sport yet people don't look at it and firmly understand the rules uh, when, when I give you a basketball, right. And you're at the basketball hoop, you know, the rules, you know how to play. Uh, you, you were taught when you're five years old, but it's just stuck with you the whole way. I want cross net in five years to, to be a sport. I want people to see the nets. I want to see, I want them concreted at their local parks or the local beaches. And they know how to play cross net. I think of it like I'm selling a basketball hoop and I have the rights to sell a basketball hoop. Um, I need to push the sport. And in order to do that, I need to push it at the physical education levels. I need to have volleyball players embed it into camps, into their groups. Uh, so that's my biggest mission right now on top of making it, uh, being sold in every country or at least the biggest countries we can.
0: Okay. Chris, you said something I asked you, I said, uh, are you a volleyball player? (laughs) And what did you say? What did you say to me?
2: Not at all. Absolutely not at all. I, uh, None of us are. None of the founders are. Uh, we created this because volleyball was intimidating growing up, uh, in gym class, right? We mm-hmm. would be six on six, 10 on 10. You touch the ball once or twice in a 45 minute gym class. And you're like, when's basketball coming out? So mm-hmm. volleyball really applies to a select few people. And for us, like there's so much fun spiking the ball in your friend's face and jumping over the net and being competitive. Um, but it just never worked out for me on a doubles net playing with somebody else diving in the sand. Like that wasn't what I was into.
0: Steven's a really tall guy. He'd probably be good at volleyball, but I was always intimidated by volleyball. I was sucked at it, mm-hmm. but I looked at what you have and I'm like, that just looks like fun. That looks like something I get together with a couple of my buddies. We just have fun with it and volleyball just seems so serious and,
2: and kind of hard to play. Absolutely. Hurdles. A lot of ground to cover. You got to be diving. You got to be competitive. Mm-hmm. And just the whole, the whole kind of concept of that sport is this mm-hmm. is super serious. If you're not at the volleyball, like don't step on the court. And ours is like, you having a good time at the beach, go, go play around and hit with your friends. Or just, if you want to be super serious, be super serious with it. So it's it's a little bit for everybody.
1: Yeah. That's cool. Hey, Andrew, let's open up the questions. This has been awesome. I, thank well,
0: you. I, yeah, I should prompt. So you guys type your questions into the uh, questions box, and I'll read them off. I got a few here. Um, ben says, uh, uh, "Hi, Stephen and Andrew, uh, and I'm sure they're addressing you, Chris. What online channel were they initially using to sell CrossNet? Sorry if I missed that." Uh, Shopify. And we still use Shopify. Nice. What do you What do you like about Shopify? What don't you like about it?
2: I like that it's $29 a month to start off. So that was within our ballpark. Um, I like that I can still to this day, I could create the whole site. I don't need to go hire a uh, an agency or go hire somebody, a coder to create a basic framework to start off. So it just gives you all the tools you need for $29, which uh, is a bargain.
0: Nice. Mm-hmm. Next question is from Jeff. Uh, who would you recommend instead of of PayPal for a payment processor?
2: Good question. Um, So I would recommend, one, not using PayPal at all. Two, getting off of Shopify payments if you're on it because their processing fees are ridiculously high. I would go use a company called Authorize.net, which is what we use, and then you could link it to a private bank. So you could just literally find tons of private banks that link up to Authorize.net but you'll find that their percentage fee is about 50% compared to what a PayPal or Shopify pays, which is adds up over time, especially at scale.
0: Yeah. authorized.net, Cool. A little ad for them. I like that. Uh, Mike says question. Were there any books you read that were helpful that helped you be successful? W- what motivates you? In other words.
2: Yeah. Um, biggest thing lately has been listening to podcasts of different founders of people that I want to kind of emulate. Um, uh, what's it called? How I Built This by Guy Raz. Uh, that's my all-time favorite podcast. He just has awesome people that, like the story of Ben and Jerry's or Vita Coco, cool stuff like that, that I wish people would look at it like that kind of company uh, one day. Uh, but also a book called Double Your Pro- uh, Double Your Profits by Bob Pfeiffer. Uh, really resonated with me because my whole thing is ripping apart the business, finding places I'm overspending. Uh, and that book really like woke me up.
0: Cool. Wow, Steven, he's just, Chris is sharp. <laughs> he's just rattling <laughs> off like, like he does webinars all the time. Suzanne said, um, hi, uh, who did your packaging? I did my packaging. There you go. <laughs> you did, did you, you're like on Photoshop and doing it? Yeah,
2: or? yeah, Photoshop. Went to, I went to college for film. The only class that really resonated with me was graphic design. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, I did the first, uh, first two iterations of the box. Uh, for the one that you're about to see, that's coming out soon, uh, we, we passed that off to a professional. There, there came a point where we we're like, all right, we need to step this up. Now you, let's
1: talk about the ball that you use. Where'd you get the ball?
2: Yeah, so we have a factory out in China uh, that, yeah, mass produces these balls, and then we ship them to this other factory where they actually make the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also just signed a deal with Wilson, so Wilson makes OPTX professional volleyballs with CrossNet's logo on them now. So we're selling those on our site.
0: Nice. Cool. So then, when they want to step it up a notch rather than the standard ball it comes with and they want to go a little bit more pro, they can buy that ball. Is that?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. You'll see in the volleyball community, like we were talking about, those people have a very strict uh, mindset on what ball they need to use. And it's always this ball. So, if we can't uh, can't beat them, we'll join them, and now we have the same ball with our logo on it. Oh,
0: uh, so you felt like you needed to appeal to people that just want to have fun, buy this, they don't know one ball from the other, and then other folks that are picky, and you want to make them both happy. Absolutely. Got it. Um, let's see. Matt says link to the rules of CrossNet? Question mark. So, do you? I guess he's asking, do you have the rules on your website? Where can yeah. people get the rules?
2: Yeah, you can get them on the website. Um, and this is why we're building a better website. But yeah, it's, if you go to com and you go to learn to play, and then you could just hit learn to play and instructions. Uh, and there's also t- in the rules section. So it's easy to find. Why a new website? Um, So my biggest thing is, y- if you look at this website, it's very, it's very buy, buy, buy now heavy. Um, you Just click to learn the rules. It's just kind of, I made it right. Watch and learn how to play. So my biggest thing, uh, you asked me what my five-year mission was. My five-year mission is for everybody to look at this and know the rules. My website is doing a disservice. It is just saying, buy this thing and figure it out later. I need to educate them better than this thing I made in Photoshop. So mm-hmm. it's going to be education focused.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. They, can, they can So they can watch the video and then they can Read read some of the rules here. Why is this blurred down here at the bottom?
2: Exactly why we need a new website. Oh,
0: there we go. Yep. Okay, <laughs> loaded. It just took forever to load. There you go. Yep, exactly.
2: Okay. So right. yeah, the, the new website will be uh, text heavy, not text heavy, but what why that took so long to load was it was a, a JPEG. Uh, and if I'm building the website from scratch, I want stuff to load quick, uh, which needs to be text rather than me uploading photos. So right. Um, excited for that to drop in a few weeks. It's been a long time coming.
0: Hey Steven, something we forgot to do—you guys, you guys were on the the Today Show, right? And I yeah, got the we video. You want? It's only a what is it? Like thirty seconds, one minute? About?
2: It, it's it's like three minutes, but I don't know if you guys you could stop it whenever. But yeah, we got on Today Show. I think a, a month or two ago.
0: Well, yeah, it was just them saying it was basically how do we how are people dealing with COVID? And then I think you were the first product that you, they've showcased. Yeah.
2: They so uh keep a chat box on your website, that bottom right of the website. They literally wrote on a Gmail saying, Hey, this is so and so from the Today Show. Uh we want you all we want your product for an online games thing we're doing. And we wrote back and we simply said, Sure, send us the address and we kinda of felt like it was too good to be true. And uh it, it happened. <laughs> they made the segment and they sent us the link. It was crazy.
1: Uh, cool. Let's talk about your website for just a minute. How'd you find someone to build it for you?
2: So I, the one we're looking at right now, I built this entire thing myself, uh, just learning their Shopify. The one that we are releasing in a few weeks is uh, done through an agency. Uh, they're called Fuel FuelMade. Uh, they had a very good reputation for building kind of like Shark Tank products websites. So a lot of Shark Tank uh, companies have went to them for their websites after. And just kind of taking a look at their price compared to some other vendors, it was a fair and reasonable price. And I think it came out really well. So I'm excited to to launch that for you guys next week.
1: Nice, well, oh, they, will they help maintain it or do you do that yourself or hire someone within
2: your company? So the maintaining uh, is really, I could do that myself, uh, but eventually we'll probably have somebody like a head of growth or head of e-commerce kind of house that. Uh they'll certainly they'd love to take it on on a monthly retainer, but I don't sure. think it's warranted.
1: You're pretty you're a pretty frugal guy, aren't you?
2: Certainly am. All right. Good
0: to know. You you mentioned the chat was the reason why you got the today show. Do you have real people on there or do you have a bot on there? Like how yeah. what's your philosophy with the chat? What have you found? Yeah, so there?
2: in our uh our business hours uh are typically it's five, it's nine AM to eight PM on the live chat. So we'll have a, a whole team. Sometimes depending on the demand, we'll have three or four agents on the live chat. Uh, and now we have the customer service that work from like eight to eight in the morning, pretty much answering all the emails. So if you leave your email, you write a message, uh, you'll probably get a response actually right now, but it won't be on the live chat. Oh,
0: okay. That's
2: yeah, pretty good.
0: That's better it's, than it's, most it, people yeah,
2: do. Yeah. It's, it's super helpful. Um, it's really cost efficient for us. I've had uh Dick Sporting Goods actually came in on the chat box. They wrote a message. Um kidding. Okay. And if I didn't have that, I would I wouldn't have a deal with Dick Sporting Goods right now. I was begging, begging the guy on LinkedIn. He never wrote back to me. Uh, but his assistant wrote to us on the chat box. And that was crazy.
0: Wow, that's making a case for having a chat on your website. There sure is. Um, um, let's see. Uh Suzanne says thank you, thank you for taking your time and wisdom. Um Melanie, what is your growth plan plan? Will you be hiring internal roles to grow the business beyond your capacity? Kind of a Absolutely. general question, but good question. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so we just hired a head of marketing. We just hired a head of social. I just opened a warehouse in Canada with two full-time employees out there. Um, simple answer is yes. When? I don't know. Um, I like to try to hire everything on a freelance basis until, uh, I feel like there's 40 hours plus of work to be done. We are hiring a junior accountant. If you know a junior accountant, send them our way.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) There
1: you go. I got a question for you.
2: All right. If some
1: inventor had some other great game, would
2: you look at it? Yeah, of course I'd look at it. Um, I'd be honest with them. Like I've told many people, I I really am not the person to have a lot of time right now. Uh, But I am very open to helping people um, because I wish there is a resource and somebody I could talk to that was able to do the stuff we've been able to do. Uh, and like I said, we're, 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 honestly just, we're lucky. We're, we're 27, we're 26. We invented this sport, and uh, it's really working out for us. Uh, it's been crazy. So if I could help anybody, it'd be great. Well, more, I think
0: more specifically what Steven was getting at is if an inventor, because our crowd licenses products, that's our crowd. And yep. so if an inventor had a product that matched your product line, would you be possibly interested in licensing? Oh, would
2: of you? course. We already, uh, we actually have one in the works right now. So yes, hit oh, us up. okay.
0: Wow, that's Chris, great. At
2: Cro- Chris at crossnetgame.com.
0: There you go. Chris at crossnetgame.com. Cool. Um, Joyce says, would you choose Shopify to start as a testing ground?
2: Absolutely. It's the my opinion the best e-commerce platform. Uh you could use something like a WordPress or I don't even know what else you'd use, but you're gonna spend way too much time coding it yourself, configuring stuff. I could log into Shopify right now and I can have a site up by ten o'clock.
1: Are you nice. you're on Amazon, right?
2: Yes, uh so we're sold out on Amazon right now, but yes we are on Amazon.
0: You want to talk about Amazon versus we I guess we have a few minutes left here. Um you want to talk about Amazon versus retailers and that whole
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, we got
0: a balance, it's
2: a balancing act. It's, it's a fun balance, yeah. So specifically in our case, right? We're we're different than most companies where we have a distributor that we work with uh that purchases our inventory in bulk. Uh, so they purchase a few forty foot containers of several thousand cross every few months and they sell on Amazon for us. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, we give them pretty favorable, favorable terms, pretty similar to what wholesalers get our product at, and they go listed on Amazon for us. So it's a little bit different than how a normal Amazon strategy would be. But my biggest thing is we're always going to drive traffic to our website first, and then we'll leave it for the consumer to bounce off and go to Amazon if they'd like. Uh, but I'm always trying to own that data because I want to put them through the customer lifecycle journey where I could upsell them on the H2O or the doubles net or indoor. And I can't do that if they went to Amazon.
0: Do the I noticed you had pop-ups on your site. Are those really, really big on gathering people's emails? So you grab yeah. them.
2: Massive. I mean, uh if we have a throughout the two pop-ups, actually three pop-ups, uh if I had a 10% conversion rate across all three, I have a thousand visitors come to the site. Um, I'm capturing a hundred people a day, our average traffic sometimes upwards of 10,000. So if I'm capturing that many people and putting them through the segment, like that's so much untapped revenue um, that we normally weren't collecting before we started doing that. So yeah, massive for us.
0: What What are you doing with the pop-ups? Are you giving them something? Are you saying, are you just saying, just sign up? What does what work best for you? Oh yeah,
2: definitely got to motivate them. So uh, we do a $10, uh, $10 discount. Uh, which people definitely like off $150 products Uh, we are going to start next week with a giveaway actually so we're starting to collect phone numbers for text messaging and that's gonna open up text messaging revenue and then once a week we're gonna do a flash sale where it's literally use code free crossnet and the first one to, to claim it is the first one that wins and they get their free crossnet using the code so little things like that to motivate people
0: He's a good marketer, Stephen, isn't he? God,
1: I think he's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Thanks,
2: uh,
1: Chris, I'm impressed. Um, wow, <laughs> you're doing everything right. Great product. God, you you created a new category, didn't you? A new sport. You did. I appreciate it. I I, I truly think you did. And I like that you're going in the in the water. You you can play with it in the gym. I think you can play in the sand. I mean you are covering it. You got the great balls. Uh everything about it. The branding's right. Uh spot on, Andrew. This
0: is fun yeah. stuff. Yeah, I I I you know, I think I really people really enjoyed listening to your story tonight. And uh, we got a few thank yous for here for you here, but we got a, a funny question that you probably heard before from Joey. How about a three-way net?
2: so so we actually so when we were innovating in the beginning we had zippers on the net so you could unzip it and make it a three-way net or make it a normal volleyball net and Mm. what we actually found was that nobody wanted to play volleyball after spending the money and nobody wanted to play three-way um so that that's that uh and and sport doesn't really work as well as three-way compared to four so right Okay.
0: So just some nice comments. Mike says, hi, this was super interesting. Thanks for your mentoring and experience, Chris. Jeff said, uh, your ability, you're, you're a very humble guy. Thank you for your story tonight. Joyce said, thank you. Enjoyed it very much. Smart young men and, uh, proud of you. <laughs> it's like she's thank you. Thank you, Joyce. That was nice. Um, Steve says, uh, smart guy. And so, um, if I prompted people there'd probably be a flood of thank yous there, but, um oh here they come. Uh okay, now I can't read them all. Um Jamie, thank you thank you, Chris. Great story, very informative. Bob, I really enjoyed listening to this webinar and Chris's story, thank you. Corey, great webinar, thank you. Adam, thank you so much for your time and info. Um PS, I also hate PayPal. <laughs> Bad, uh really cool. Any crossnet uh tournaments, tourneys
2: yet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we had one in San Diego. Um, and after COVID, we certainly will.
0: Cool. Julie wrote, great startup. Congratulations. Thank you for sharing. And, you know, if you guys if you guys are licensing and you have an idea for Chris, it sounds like he's open to that. Um, Absolutely. You know, it's hard for a startup to take on a new product. But at the same time, it's very important to to diversify and tap into that distribution you already have, Chris. Right. And mm-hmm. expand your product line. Um, Absolutely. Does it scare you sometimes to expand your product line? Like, oh, we might overreach and then fail at this new product? Or do you feel like, oh, we could just test anything and try it out? What's your take on that?
2: My my take is we could just test it and try it out, right? Like that mm-hmm. H2O, that water version, we we didn't put too much cash into it. Like we did a, definitely spent a long time developing it, but we took the same mindset that we took to the original CrossNet. We bought 300 to start. Um, we sold out of those three hundred really quickly because of the demand and then we bought five thousand uh because cash flow allowed us to do that. Uh but it really didn't cost us much, right? We know our product costs, we know we could start the line with a hundred units. You're looking at a ten thousand dollar investment as an established company, like I mean we're still a startup, but it's not as much of a risk anymore as it used to be.
0: mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Steven, you have anything you want to say in closing? I think we're at the hour here.
1: No, I'm just really surprised. I think this is a wonderful story and I'm just impressed with all of it because his marketing strategy, I think is spot on. I, I like that he's frugal. I like that he's a good negotiator. I like that he knows his team has, um, they, they kind of separate everything and they seem to be able to work together. I know friends and family is not easy. We didn't even, that's a whole nother webinar we should do mm-hmm. sometime. Absolutely. Um, but it, it's uh it's a great story, and it's a great story now with what's happening, Andrew, with COVID. And people are pulling back, and he went full force, and uh, people are loving it. So you're seeing a success story, and maybe we can ha- have you come back next year, Chris. And Absolutely. That, I'd love it. You could tell us that it's going to be in the Olympics or something. I, I'm sure that's <laughs> not too far away.
2: Oh, I love That'd that. Be That'd be great, guys.
0: That'd be cool. Thank you so much, Chris, for taking your time and sharing with our audience. I think a lot of people will watch the replay and really enjoy it. And um, yeah, man, just um, just very inspirational. Whenever we get Stephen, whenever we get people on that are that are young and do that, we're like, damn, I didn't do all that when I was that age. Uh, I feel like I'm <laughs> sleeping um, at
1: the wheel, man. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So I think you motivate people and then people just like to see young people succeed. We like to see anybody succeed of any age, but it's nice to see people that are passionate these days. I think it's tough for young people these days. You know, a lot of um, I sound like an old fart saying that. But I think in a lot of ways, it's a it's a it's a hard time for millennials and, and others. You know, it's uh, I think they, well, we give millennials a hard time. Maybe some of it's deserved. A lot of it probably isn't.
1: You that's, gotta take a little chance and, and it's a little yeah. bit risky and I'm sure there's times that they were very nervous and absolutely but they they had a vision, they stuck with it, and it sounds like they are really three smart guys and uh it's really cool to create a category. That's what I like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That, that's amazing. And I also like that he brought he took two basic, you know, games, you know. And he brought them together and created something brand new. I love that concept of mix and match and and this is a perfect example of of doing that. And um and it's fun. You're right. Volleyball, it's a little intimidating. I'm pretty tall and I don't like to play and uh but this this is kind of fun. You could play this anywhere. Um mm-hmm. at a party, uh school ground, indoors. I mean, this is kind of a perfect thing. So good job, Chris. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Thanks, Chris, guys. please, please, please come back and give us an update. We'd love to have you back. Absolutely. Absolutely, guys. I'd love it. Thanks
1: okay, so much for having thing. me on. One go last ahead. thing. You guys, this is a great game, great sport. You you met the guy that created it. I know you're at home, and I know you're looking for something to do besides beer pong. <laughs> Buy <laughs> game. There you go.
0: Buy CrossNet. Just Google it. You'll find the site in two seconds. Yeah, you, yeah, you will. So I want to remind everybody to take care. And keep inventing and we'll catch up with you guys next time. See ya. Good night. Bye everybody. Night.